Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch, a church situated in Cape Town, South Africa. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that this will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Isn't it awesome that he couldn't see that I was the pastor? Until I stood up front. <laughs> and then I just spoke about the unconditional love of God. Like, and, and that really touched him. It ministered to him. And then even though he was busy with all these little trinkets and things sitting next to me, uh, I did, that didn't affect me. And the way that I was ministering to him. You know? And, and that's, that, that just there's something in that that we've got to take note of. That Christianity isn't what maybe even TBN has made it out to be. What church buildings have made it out to be. Where it's, it's, it's either a money-making thing, or it's a control thing, or it's um, something that's just dead and boring. You know? uh, uh, for a long time I've been saying, God save us from boring church. <laughs> I don't want church to be boring, it should be fun. It should be something life-changing and impactful. Because Christianity is more than just a religion, it's more than a church service, it's more than even just a lifestyle. It leads to a lifestyle, but it's different. Okay, we've looked at it through the series, and you can go and look at all 23 episodes on uh, SoundCloud, but it's really just the Spirit of God living in us, and then the overflow of that. Okay, so in the first half of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 2, and Ephesians chapter 3, it's um, all about who we are. And he starts off, Paul starts off writing to the saints which are at Ephesus. That's us. He's, he's saying we are saints, holy ones, set apart. And that's where we started off, looking at our identity in Christ, that we are holy. Not because we do holy, but we've been born holy, reborn holy. As believers, we are holy. Now we get the choice to live holy. And that's the second half of Ephesians, chapters 4, 5, and 6, where it's all about the overflow of the inward flow. Okay, the first half is the inward flow, what we've received and what we receive from God. The second half of Ephesians is the outward flow. Because you, this is who you are in Christ, as a result, you can live like this. And then in the second half of Ephesians, he starts to talk about all sorts of things. Okay, and we'll see some of those things tonight. But the point I'm trying to make out is, is that, you know, the, uh, let me say it like this. A lot of times we'll go to church and we'll hear a sermon from chapter 4, 5, and 6. Without the revelation of chapters 1, 2, and 3. And what that does is it puts a burden on you. Because now you have to live up to something without realizing that you're empowered for it. Because the first half is the empowerment. The second half is now you can do this. So if you're just trying to live in Ephesians 4, 5, 6 life without Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, it's like trying to drive without gas in your car. You know, you're going to go nowhere. <laughs> okay, unless you're down, pushing down a hill or something, but it'll come short. You'll come short somewhere. Second half of Ephesians is because of who you are in Christ and the empowering of Himself in you. This is how you can live. And so now on to Ephesians chapter six. In my preparation, I tried my best to fit the whole chapter into this, but it's never going to happen. So I'm just sticking with the first few verses there. Ephesians chapter 6 is saying, Because the Spirit of God dwells in you, you are enabled to have good relationships. 
Now, I don't know if you've grown up in church, but I grew up in church and I've seen that there's a lot of people who need to hear that. <laughs> that, that there isn't like a lot of healthy relationships. I mean, uh, I know people who wouldn't go to this church because so-and-so was there, or they won't go to that service because the other person was there. Or, you know, I, I was in a church once where this family sat on that side of the auditorium and the other family always sat on the other side of the auditorium and they just ne- they planned it, that they never crossed paths. And I mean, that's not Christianity. It is, they, they may be saved, they may be going to heaven, they may have their fire insurance, but I'm telling you now, that's not God's intention when it comes to salvation. Salvation, you know, we are one in Christ, and so we need to get over our differences. We focused on this. We've, we've spoken about it. We need to get over our differences and love one another. And love doesn't mean you always like the other person. You, know, uh, you might be irritated by them, but you choose to love them. It's not a feeling. Okay? So, you know, this is, this is going to talk about re- good relationships with regard to children towards parents, parents towards children, servants towards masters or employees towards uh, 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 employers, and vice versa. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 to 4, King James says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, smiley face, that it may go well with thee. And thou mayest live along on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Okay, so if you were actually following your Bible, you would have caught the joke. So it says, this is basically promoting a culture of honor in the family and in the church. A culture of honor where we're, we're, we're considering other above self. Okay, we're going to look at that in a bit. But it's, it's promoting a culture of honor from children towards parents and parents towards children. Okay, both ways. In chapter 5, we see Paul talking about mutual submission in marriage. Okay, and yielding to one another. Not wanting to try and lead, but yielding to one another. Okay, this extends into every social relationship. But it starts in the home and in the household of God, but in the home, as in mother, father, children, whatever the household situation that you've got. Okay, whether it be single parents or mixed family or whatever. Okay, but a healthy home, this is, this is the thing, it's like God wants healthy homes because healthy homes uh, 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 help make a strong church and a strong nation. Okay, so, you know, if we can, we can as a church have strong families, strong homes, then the nation will be impacted by that. So the Bible teaches that we should honor our parents, honor our children, honor other people in the church, honor the elders in the church, honor, uh, and by elders I don't mean gray hair, although that's implied, I mean elders as in the leaders of the church, honor church, uh, not church, but state government. There's there's lots of different places where we would need to, to live a life of honor. And it's all because God desires, especially in the church and especially in the family, harmony and unity. That's the aim. Harmony and unity. Okay, why? Well, number one, we all like it. (laughs) It's good for us. I mean, I like it when things are going well and there's no strife. 
James says that we're ending in strife. Is strife being just a, like a, a bit of a quarrel between us. Where there's strife, there's every evil word. And so it's like, you know, you're just opening up for the enemy just to come in and kill, steal, destroy. And that no one likes that. <laughs> you know, so, so, so we've got to see that, that this is good for us to live a life of harmony and unity. Because it's good for us. But here's the other thing. In, within the church especially, within your, your immediate family as well, it helps you fulfill your purpose. It helps us as a church fulfill our purpose if there's a culture of honor which promotes unity and uh, a harmony. Because now we can move together. You've not got some people pulling over that direction, some people just sitting here, and some people going in that direction. But everyone's moving together in the same vision, the same mission, the same heart. Okay? Because here's the thing, our purpose and our destiny in this life is never going to be fulfilled by ourselves. You can't do what God's called you to do alone. And if you think that you can, then you've got a wrong view of what you're called to. Okay? That was a loaded statement. <laughs> so it says there, obey your parents in the Lord. Okay? In the Lord, that, that, that phrase, we go look up different translations and stuff. It's not just saying your spiritual parents in, in the house of God. Okay? It's not talking about that. It's saying obeying your parents in the Lord in a sense of uh, uh, um, when it's godly. So your parents tell you to do something ungodly. Obviously, you don't do that. So it's saying that there are boundaries to this. Okay, there is right and there's wrong, and you obey them in the Lord, in the will of God. Okay, and so you know, if it's a situation like like we've seen even in in church where uh, someone is not allowed to go to church or someone's not allowed to be a Christian or something like that, then you know what's better, obeying your parents and and honoring your parents or Obeying God and honoring God. Obviously, honoring and obeying God. He comes first. Okay? So, we need to, to, to obey parents in the will of God. And remember, we're empowered to do this. Honor, let's talk about honor. It, it's basically treating others the way that the Lord would treat them. As I was meditating on this, I was thinking about what is honor. And there's lots of horrible pictures of honor. Your honor, as in maybe I've got a nice country. Now, some churches do this and that's fine. But if, if, if it's a, an honor thing where I feel like I'm being honored by sitting on front and I'm, I'm, I'm just receiving all this honor all the time, there's something off there. If I'm feeling like I'm extra special, better than other people, that's not God's heart and, and aim. Honor is really just treating each other the way God would treat us. Okay? Honor doesn't mean that we approve everything that someone's doing. But it means that there's respect. Even if we disagree with them. You know, one of the ways that you can honor your parents, for example, even if you're out of the house, is asking for advice. Because parents like that. Doesn't mean you have to take the advice. <laughs> it just means you're honoring them by asking them. And maybe they'll say something that you didn't think that they would say. And you'll take it. So the word honor means to hold in respect or esteem. The Greek word for it can be translated to prize or fix evaluation upon. To prize or fix evaluation upon. So we should, in, in, in our relationship 
uh, parent to children and children to parent, fix evaluation upon that relationship and upon that individual. Value them. Okay, there's many applications here, but one of them is definitely just esteeming and respecting opinions of our parents above peers. To give them that kind of honor. Okay? You know, the idea is that you know, most, most, uh, we don't see this with anyone in the room, obviously, but most of the, the like, t- uh, people in school or teenagers or even young adults will have this idea that parents are out of date, you know, <laughs> out of touch or something like this. And it's a case of we needing to value their experience and their wisdom more than what we think is right. Because honor is basically an attitude. And it results in, in something. You know, I, someone asked me once, how do I honor, I can't remember the situation here, but how do I honor my, whoever it was, father, mother, whatever? And I said, how would they receive honor? What would make them feel honored? Because if I'm wanting to honor Etienne, and I'm like, uh, 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 I'm going to honor him, I want to bless him, so now I'm going to buy him just the biggest box of chocolates I can find, but he doesn't like chocolates maybe. It's not really, like he may, may look past the gift and look at the intention and be like, wow, that's really awesome. But then he's sitting with something that he can't use, or he has to give away. You know, honor and, 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 and uh, blessing someone happens in the way that they would be blessed, not the way that you're going to be blessed. And so it's always about the other person. Okay? Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, verse 28 to 29. Acts 5, 28 to 29. New Living says this. We, now this is, this is in terms of the whole thing of obey the parent, your parents in the Lord. It says, we gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name, Jesus' name. Instead, you have fooled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him. And you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than any human authority. So here we have, a, you know, there's obedience and there's honor and they're two different things. But here we have Peter and the, the apostles uh, honoring God and obeying God above their, the earthly leaders. That have said to them, you will not. And they were like, well, this is what we were commanded to do. Preach in this name, so we're going to do it. Doesn't matter if we get beaten for it, because then they did get beaten for it. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 4. This idea of honor doesn't just come into uh, a children's relationship with children or with parents or uh, uh, things like that. And and it's not just between pastor and and people in the church, church members. It's between all of us. Okay, and this in, in, in Philippians it really paints an awesome picture of how we should be in our relationships with one another. Philippians chapter two, verse three to four says, "Don't be selfish." <laughs> that a word for someone? Don't be selfish. Don't be self-centered. Don't try to impress others. I mean, how often you know do, are we trying to impress others? And what we're doing by trying to impress others is we often do is, is belittle them make them smaller so that we can be bigger and make us feel good about ourselves. What this is really saying is make other people feel good about themselves. How do you do that? Well, I said to another person at the wedding and I was quite amused at this conversation because uh, I could, the whole conversation was about them all the time. 
and I was actually testing this, like, <laughs> and I just kept pushing for more and more, and they just kept going for it, and I was like, this, I've never seen someone like this before. You know, it was amazing. You know, whereas now if I'm considering someone else, I'm like, you know, I want to know about you. Tell me what's going on with you. What about you? And there's a place for, for, for two-way, obviously, but, but, but we, we want to not be trying to impress others. Like, I mean, how, how, you know, Michael tells me a story about a fish he caught. He went fishing it, and he says, oh, I caught this big fish like this. And I'm going, that's nothing. I've caught one this big before. <laughs> you know, now it's, it's, it's a competition where, I'll, it might be true, and I've won that competition in my heart. But let's keep it in my heart and say, you know what, wow, Michael, that's awesome. You know, and you don't have to tell him. You just be like, celebrate his victory. Celebrate what he's celebrating. That honors him. Instead of always trying to come with a better story and always trying to come with the perspective of, you know what, my experience was actually better than that. You know? Who's had their wisdoms out? The worst thing ever, when someone comes and tells you, I'm going to have my wisdom teeth taken out, the worst thing you can do is first of all tell them how horrible your experience was. My, my experience was terrible. But the, that's like one of the worst things that you can do. And then afterwards, everyone starts sharing about it, trying to make it like, who's got the worst story? Are you going to have your wisdom time soon? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's easy, don't worry. You, you just have to lie there. <laughs> anyway, moving along. 1 Corinthians, uh, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. Or verse, uh, still verse 3. It says, Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take the interests in other, an interest in others too. And so we should be, 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 be putting the focus not just on ourselves, but on others and, and, and showing interest in them. 1 Corinthians 10, I love this. Paul's addressing division in the church. Okay, and in 1 Corinthians 10, we're going to get into 1 Corinthians 10 another time in, uh, properly, but in verse 24 it says, don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. You know, in context, he's talking about how as a body of Christ, we are one with each other. Now in your immediate family, obviously that's true too. And so how much more should we be, you know, in both contexts actually, honoring our parents, honoring our children, not treating them like they're um, uh, second class citizens or whatever, but honoring them. Obviously, there's a, there's a, a place and a, a place for, for uh, instruction and things like that. But in the church as well, we honor one another because we're part of one another. Okay? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2 to 3. I'm going to read it again. It says, Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you. And you may live long on the earth. Okay, now I always read that and thought that it's something mystical. Something that if I honor my parents, then it's like, all of a sudden I've got extra long life. You know, like it's something extra special. And even today I actually sat and I was thinking about this and I realized like how simple it actually is. And how there's a good answer in it. Okay. This is a quotation from Genesis to Malachi, from the scriptures. Okay? Paul isn't sucking it out of his thumb and saying, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. He's, he's quoting it from Exodus and from Deuteronomy. Okay? And in Exodus 20 verse 12, 
It says, honor your father and your mother that, it may, that, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord giveth thee. In Exodus 21, verse 15 to 17, he expounds on that. Okay, so now, what is the promise? Long life if you honor your parents. Okay? Would it honor a parent if you hit them? No. That's a good answer. Well done. It's a very good answer. <laughs> would, would, it, would it honor if you speak disrespectfully? No. Okay, that's also a good answer. So then Exodus 21, verse 15 and 17 says this, Anyone who strikes father or mother must be put to death. <laughs> verse 17, Anyone who dishonors, and by dishonor it means speaks disrespectfully of, Anyone who dishonors father or mother must be put to death. Can you see why you would have a long life? <laughs> the Bible explains itself. It's not something mystical. It says, if you honor your parents, you will not be put to death. <laughs> it makes sense, doesn't it? Deuteronomy 21, verse 18 to 21. Suppose a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or mother. Even though they discipline him, in such a case the father and mother must take the son to the elders and hold the court at the town gate. The parents must say to the elders, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious and refuses to obey. He's a glutton and a drunkard. So now you can see there's a context to this. It's not just he won't wash the dishes or whatever. It's a case of there's a specific things going on. Okay, he's a glutton and he's a drunkard. Then all the men of the town must stone him to death. <laughs> In this way, you will purge this evil from among you. So the point is, <laughs> there was a death as a result of dishonor because they didn't want the evil to spread. Everyone say thank you for Jesus. Like, I mean, because of Jesus now, we don't have to get killed for disobedience. Okay, so we're not like you dishonor your parents, you don't have to bring them to church, and the elders will get some stones, and you know, we're going to organize a, a stoning. We won't do other kind of stoning either. The point is <laughs> that, that, that Jesus came and he took the payment for sin. He paid the payment for sin, so now we don't pay for sin, it's been paid. Okay, so as a result, we still honor, but we're just not punished if we. Dishonor. Unless, you know, the, the person actually punishes you. God's not punishing you for it. Length of life is meaningless outside of close, healthy relationships. So imagine just living long and just not having any good relationships. I don't know if anyone is like this, but then you become the bird or the cat lady. <laughs> or man. <laughs> You know, you buy yourself and no one wants to go there and then there's rumors about you that, you know, you eat little children or something. Because you don't have close relationships because you've just been living in strife all your life. Now, I'm bringing all of this up because the point is, is that we're empowered to live like this. Most of the time we see, I've got the Spirit of God, I can heal the sick, I can raise the dead, I can cleanse the lepers, I can be successful, I can this, I can that. But we forget about loving. We forget about honoring. We forget about putting others above self. Because we're so self-centered that we just want to get our healing. We're so self-centered we just want to see a miracle. 
Some people go out in the streets and pray for people because they want to see a healing. Not because they want to see people heal. There's a difference. Your compassion moved Jesus to minister to the sick. And they were healed. But if it's like a self-centeredness of, I want to see a healing, that, 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 that uh, motivation is wrong. The motivation, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, must be love. If love doesn't motivate you, you're just a noisy symbol. So we need to make sure that we're in honor of our parents, honoring our children, respecting them, respecting each other, respecting each other in church, just living a life of respect for each other because it helps keep unity in the direction that we're going. And when you're, when you're in discord with people, it affects your heart. It might affect them, it might not. Most of the time it doesn't affect me if you're in discord with me. Too many people in discord with me for me to be bothered. You know, so, so it's okay, so I'm just going to carry on with life, you know. And, and the point, but the point is, is like if I start causing strife with Etienne, what's going to happen is it's going to weigh in on my heart if I've still got one. <laughs> because maybe I've just done it enough that now my heart is hard and calloused and I just don't give a damn. And then I need to repent and I need to allow the Spirit of God to soften my heart and I need to, to get back to that place of sensitivity. Ephesians chapter 5, moving on to the next relationship. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, 6, sorry, verse 5 to 9, reading from the New Living, it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven and he has no favorites. That's quite cool. <laughs> so now it's the slave-master and master-slave relationship. And it's important for us, because someone's going to think this, if not in this room, someone we know, that Paul is not endorsing slavery. Okay, Paul is not endorsing slavery. He's not writing to deal with social injustice. It's just how it was in the day, so he's commenting on that relationship. Okay, he's dealing with heart issues because if hearts change, society will change. Okay, if, if then laws change, then life changes. This verse is reminding us that spiritually we all have the same master. Okay, regardless of what situation we find ourselves, even if you're in slavery, we're free in Christ and we've got an ultimate savior, an ultimate master. Okay, now these verses are very practical. Right? It's so practical, you wanted something deeper, more spiritual maybe. <laughs> but it, it's showing us that the Christ life in us can overflow into one which honors those around us. Whether it's our children, whether it's our parents, or whether it's uh, uh, our bosses, or whether it's our employees. It should transform the way we treat people. Paul is commanding servants or slaves to obey 
Why? Now, now, do you have to obey, according to Scripture, your boss? It's good that you're quiet. Well done. Because the answer would be no. I would say more honor them. Because there's a context here. Paul was saying, obey, because if they disobeyed, they'd be beaten or killed. And none of us are in that kind of position where we're going to get beaten or killed if we say no. <laughs> okay? But, you know, if you want your, 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 your long, your, not length of life, but length of days in the business that you're in, <laughs> with the boss that you have, then there should be a, an honor and a, respect, and a respect. I've worked, I had, had a job once where I was asked to do something and I was like, that's not part of what you employed me to do. Because I was doing a bunch of things and I just couldn't. Like, do more. You know, so I, I, I protested a little bit, kindly and respectfully. I have a friend who works for a big uh, uh, company, and uh, um, he was told by one of his superiors that, you know, when... Um, how do I explain this without giving the situation away? He, he, he said, when, um, when you're basically doing inventory in this situation, make sure that you leave X, Y, and Z off because of... This and yeah, because uh, uh, it helps with the whole process. So it's cutting corners. And he was like, "What do I do? If I don't do this, I'm going to lose my job. If I do do this, it's wrong. And if the police find out, then I'm in trouble because there's no record of them giving me that instruction. What do you do in a situation like that? Do you obey your boss? No, you obey God and you do the right thing. Fortunately for him, what he did was he prayed and he was like, Lord, I don't know what to do here. And it's a, it was a very difficult situation. And so he just prayed and he got a new position in the company. <laughs> Within a week, he was promoted someone. And then he didn't even have to make that decision. But in his heart, he, was, he had already made the decision that he wouldn't buckle under the pressure. Okay, so this, this scripture could be read like this. Okay, if you are an employer, this applies to you. If you're an employee, it applies to you. If you're nothing at the moment, it should apply one day. You know, give your employer your very best work. Don't just work hard when he or she is around, but do your work as unto Christ. Remember, whatever good thing you do, God will repay you. And employee, employers, treat your employees right, for we all have the same master in heaven. And there is no partiality or favoritism with him. So what this is all saying is that the way we conduct ourselves, this is why it's so important. The way that we conduct ourselves in relationships, in family, in society, at the workplace, wherever, is either pointing people to Christ or putting them off Christ. And I'm sure there's some of us here who would, would have to acknowledge that there's some people who don't want to know what we have to say because of the bad example that we've been. Or because we're disrespectful towards them. You know, if, it's not just about the message we speak, it's the message that we live. And we're empowered for both. We're empowered to treat people right. We're empowered to live a life of love. We receive His love and then we let that love flow towards other people. You don't have to try and love people. The more you let love, God love you, the more you're going to automatically start to love other people. Because it just flows out of you. What does love look like? It looks like respect. Talking nicely to people. Treating them the way that you would want them treating you. 
And so, so then it, it overflows this life of love, and now you're a, a, a billboard for Jesus. Now you're a good ambassador. Now people are interested in what you have to say because they, they, they like you. <laughs> they think that, that you're worth listening to. A lot of people, the way that they live, a lot of Christians, they're not worth listening to. I wouldn't want to give them two, two seconds. Because I'm like, you know, I, I think I've shared this uh, story before, but I remember uh, I, 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 in the message somewhere once, I shared about how uh, in Psalms it says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our sin from us. It says that in the scripture. And it's like, you know, it's like, can you measure how far east is from west? If you know your geography, you can't. Okay? <laughs> Unless you're a flat earther. <laughs> but you can't measure it. The flat earthers didn't laugh. So, so, you know, you can't measure from the east to the west. And so it's just showing that, that God doesn't remember your sin. He says that in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17. Your sin and iniquity I'll remember no more. So I was encouraging everyone with this. And then this one delightful gentleman in the, the church comes up to me afterwards and says, I disagree with your statement on that. And I was like, okay, you're welcome to your opinion. But And he said, yeah, uh, he's got a, a friend who's a Hebrew scholar or he's a Hebrew or something. And he said, he, um, uh, he's explained it to me once that it's as far as the east is from the west and it actually brings your sin under God's nostrils. And that's what God is trying to communicate. And I said, well, that's just ridiculous. It contradicts the rest of Scripture. Like uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17, your sin and iniquity I'll remember no more. Why would now God bring it under His nostrils? <laughs> he doesn't like it that much, you know. And at the same time, while he's coming with all this aggression, you know, I know his life's a mess because I know his wife. I know his, uh, 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 there's just so many problems. And he's got his, it's not a sin to, to, to smoke, you just smell, smell like you've gone to hell. And he's got this box of cigarettes in his top pocket that I can see. And now he's trying to argue scripture with me and I'm like, holding back, like, buddy, <laughs> Maybe keep your opinion to yourself, you know, because uh, it's not welcome here. Anyway, <laughs> the point is, is that now we want to be pointing people to Christ. And so, you know, first of all, in the first part of the, the, the message, the whole thing of honor and respecting parents and children. I want to challenge you that if you've re you realize you, you've been disrespectful in any of those res respects or to someone in the church, then go and make, make right with it. Say, I, I'm, I realize I haven't been treating you right, and I'm sorry. I've been speaking to you nicely, I'm sorry. Or whatever the case is. Because God is interested in unity. Okay? Stop expecting parents to be who you want them to be. Stop expecting other people to be who you want them to be. And let them just be who they are. And love them the way that they are. The way that they are might be horribly wrong. But love them anyway, because Jesus loves you the way you are, and none of us are the way we should be. Amen? Yeah. Ephesians chapter 6, moving on. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now this starts getting into a spiritual warfare part, which we're not going to touch on. I'm just going to touch on this verse though. 
Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. It's really awesome that we don't have to be strong in ourselves. This whole uh, book is talking about the strength that we have of the Spirit within us. And we're encouraged not to be strong and find our source in ourselves, but the source of the Holy Spirit, God in us. That's how we live this Christian life. The Passion Translation puts it like this. Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of His explosive power flowing in and through you. I like the way they worded that. Because it's bringing it back to the whole purpose of the whole book. Our union with Christ, the power of the Spirit that's in us. Okay? Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. The only way to live this life, the Christian life, is by recognizing and realizing that I'm one with Him. His power, His life is in me. It's like the the vine and the branches. John chapter 15. Jesus saying, I am the vine and you are the branches. Now, we're abiding in Him. As Christians, you don't try and abide in Him. You abide in Him. You're one with Him. You're united to Him forever. But you need to acknowledge that power that's in you, the life that's in you, and let it flow out of you. And when you do that, you start loving people. You start respecting them. Then you want to lay hands on the sick. And then you see them recover. Then sharing the gospel with people is motivated by love, and it's, it's just clothed in compassion, and so it's got a great impact. Another translation puts it like this and says, In conclusion and with reference to the theme and context of this writing, it's more academic in approach, it says, but it's saying, hey, look at the whole book. This verse isn't said in isolation. This verse is said in context and within a theme. I encourage you to realize your strength in the Master, not your strength in yourself. And remember, he's about to start talking about uh, spiritual warfare. Where we're not strong in ourselves, we're strong in him. I'll say it like this. We're not strong in our personal holiness and relying on that for victory, but we're relying on him and his death and his resurrection as our victory. Because all of us will have something that, that the enemy could pick us on. might not be a huge problem. It might just be that you're disrespecting someone. And he'll blow that out of proportion to make you feel unworthy, and then then he's got you. You know, we need to remember Paul's prayer at the outset of this letter. He prays in uh, Ephesians 1.19 and says, I pray that you will understand beyond all comparison the magnitude of his mighty power towards you who believe. He's talking about this power that's within us. We're not strong in our ability, our knowledge, our wisdom. We're strong in Him in us. Amen? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 to 23. He says, I want you to see this. He subjected all these powers under His feet. He towers head and shoulders above everything. He is the head, the church. His redeemed image and likeness in mankind is His body. The completeness of His being that fills all in all resides in us. God cannot make Himself more visible or exhibit Himself more accurately than Christ in us. See, 
When we're respecting people, when we're honoring parents, when we're, 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 we're uh, uh, um, forgiving people, when we're, we're walking in love, when we're, we're working hard, when we're, you know, even when, when people aren't watching, we're not just trying to get the job done, but we're doing it with excellence. When we're living like that, first of all, the Bible says we're doing it unto the Lord, not unto the, the boss and not unto other people. But it's really Christ in us and Christ through us. Christ in us and Christ through us. Galatians 2.20 says, uh, uh, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the faith, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is showing that the life that we're living is empowered by Christ in us. It's not us trying to live for God. It's God living in us and God living through us. You can relax. And just say, yes, Lord. That's the Christian life. Yes to Jesus. Yes to the leading of the Spirit. Yes to His Word. And knowing that when I say yes, there's an empowering to be able to do it. I'm not doing it in and of my own strength. Amen? Let's close our eyes. Father, I thank You that we don't have to try and live this life or or live like Jesus or anything like that. We, We just... Let you live in us and through us. The Christian life is all about Christ in us and Christ through us. Yielding to your spirit, your, your, your love that's in us. Thank you that Christianity is not about trying to live by the Ten Commandments. It's not about trying to live a good life. It's just living in relationship with you. Because now you live in us. Thank you, Father. The first thing, just with our eyes closed this evening, the first thing I just want to uh, 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 address in closing is that you know, Christianity, Romans chapter 10 says, if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead to make us right with Him, And if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So salvation doesn't occur in our lives before that point. It happens when we make that conscious decision. It's not about doing something. It's a decision in our hearts that, hey, I believe Jesus paid for my sin and made me right with God. And I receive his life. I receive his spirit now to come and live in me. That was the aim of God in Christ. And if you've never made that decision to become a Christian, I want to invite you to make that decision this evening. To have redemption in your life. To have forgiveness flowing. To have love living inside of you. All because you're making a decision to receive the gift of salvation. The gift of eternal life. And if that's you, I want to encourage you just to pray in your heart after me. I'm going to say a prayer and pause and and you just pray it after me and just say, Father, I want to receive this gift of eternal life. I thank you that Jesus died for me and was raised from the dead to make me right with you. 
I receive eternal life. I declare that Jesus is Lord. I thank you that you now live in me, Jesus. Your spirit is in me. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that if anyone prayed that prayer, whether they're online or whether they're here, that they have been translated, taken out of a kingdom of darkness and placed into a kingdom of light. I thank you, Father, that they have now been filled with your spirit, with your love, with your goodness, and that everything changes from this moment. Everything changes from this moment. Thank you that they are now no longer a sinner, but they are now righteous. They might still do something wrong. They might still live like a sinner for a bit. But I thank you that as they come to know who they are in Christ and the change which has taken place, they're going to experience freedom. They're going to experience transformation and change in Jesus' name. And just with every head clo- uh, eyes closed again, just if you prayed that prayer, come and speak to myself or Etienne afterwards, and we just want to encourage you. Uh, further in that but I just feel that you know we need to give an opportunity for people to respond with regard to the word and really just acknowledging that maybe you, you haven't been living a life of honoring and respecting others whether it's parents whether it's children whether it's colleagues whether it's boss whether it's employees whether it's someone in church I mean this could apply to everyone really but if there's a, a relationship that you has just the Holy Spirit has made you sensitive about now and you just realize, hey, that, that, that I need to, to deal with this. If you realize that there's something that, that you need to, to do to make right with someone, then I just want to pray for you. And it'll take some humility to stand, but I just want to encourage you to stand. No one's going to ask you, who was it? <laughs> But if that's you and you realize there's discord, there's strife, or there's been from you towards others, just some disrespect, then dishonor or whatever, just stand up so that you can just acknowledge it before God and just receive strength. Remember it says that uh, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So if you'll be humble and stand, I believe that you'll experience a, a supernatural empowering to be able to deal with that situation. So just stand if that's you. Father, I thank you that whoever's standing, thank you that right now they just, as they've humbled themselves, they'll experience supernatural grace, supernatural empowering right now to be able to deal with those situations, to humble themselves, to make right, and to bring you glory in that situation, Father. I just feel the Lord saying it's not about being right in that situation. It's about doing what's right. It's not about trying to win an argument. It's about doing the right thing. So don't go and try and win or try and be right or expect them to do right. You do right and you just say sorry for your part. Father, I thank you right now for supernatural empowering that you give them wisdom even of how to deal with that. I think that as they step out in faith and go and deal with it, it's going to bring you much glory, Father. If you're ever in the Cape Town area, we want to invite you to come fellowship with us at one of our life groups or Sunday gatherings. You can find out more about Grace Life Rondebosch 
via email at info at gracelife.co or check us out on our Facebook page, Grace Life Rondebosch.